You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot someone. I can't remember. Quite busy, so. Yes, but uh, as most brewers will tell you, we always love talking beer, so. As I get to be able to talk about it and talk about our our brewery, I'll jump up. Have you have you ever done a, a podcast before? Um, I have. Uh, before we opened, I was on. Actually, Allison and I were on the Brit and the Yank podcast. Okay. Um, but I think that's that's it for like official podcasts. I've done some Zooms. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get used to the whole Zoom thing, but I think every time I do it, I get a little bit better at it. <laughs> well, we're only a couple hours away. We'd love to do this in person sometime when, when you know, everything makes sense and things are a little bit more open and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, um, uh, at least uh, those of us like Ryan and I, well, we're waiting for more of us that usually get together and record are going to be fully vaccinated because that way then we can go back and sit down again, whether it's at someone's house or outside at, you know, our local watering hole. That way we can at least start doing it again in person. But it's it's been fun to do some Zooms because we've been able to interview, you know, people or places that maybe are nearly impossible for us to get to or to talk to. Um, but we definitely know but getting back up to Chicago will be something that we do. Yeah, silver lining with all of this. Yeah, for yep. sure. I hope you guys don't mind. I hope you don't mind I'm drinking from a, a common Oh, mug. nice, nice mug. <laughs> <laughs> One of the tougher decisions I've made recently was do I get the 12 ounce or the uh, 16 ounce? It looks like, did you go with a 16? I went with the 12. It fits better in my cabinet. Um, I don't know. I, I'm still have to decide if I made the right choice or not, but I don't think my I'd wife would let did. me bring home both of them. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say you did. I love, there's something about like, it's kind of cute and it's, it yeah. just, it just fits in your hand really nicely and you can always top it off. I, there's nothing worse than like pouring a 12 ounce can into like a half liter mug. Just looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we uh, we have some fresh uh, some fresh canned uh, material from you too. So nice. We had a uh, a friend actually that had to do some work in Peoria yesterday or, or on Monday, and so um, he brought us some of the original lager from the that he picked up over the weekend, a couple crawlers of the Vienna, and then uh, I still had some Doppelbach um, from the last time I was up there, not too long ago. Nice. Yeah. That 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 artwork and logo is just like it's so metal. I love that. <laughs> you know, 
Check it out. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll kind of get started as a formal introduction to our podcast, the Pints and Provisions podcast. And uh, Ryan and I are here hosting Tom Beckman, correct? Tom Beckman. That's correct. Goldfinger Brewing up in Downers Grove. I say up because we're down here in Peoria. So we're very excited to have him on because we've been enjoying some of their fresh lagers of recent because of family friends that have been in that area and certainly coming with some very high recommendations. So we thought no better time than now to get Tom on and to talk a little bit about his brewery, talk about lagers in general. So welcome, Tom. Glad to have you here. Yeah, Thanks for having me. We like to usually open up with something that you've had recently that's been great, whether it was the last day or two or week, but something that stuck out it doesn't have to be some big whale or um, amazing, you know, hard to get beer, but something that just really hit the spot, especially with what you were drinking. So Tom, go ahead. If you have something, share it with us. There are two that stand out. Uh, one is the Hefeweizen from Live Oak uh, down in Austin. It's one of the best <laughs> I've had. It's just so damn good. And uh, it wasn't even that fresh. Uh, I, I was fortunate to have gotten a mixed pack of their beer um, about a month ago. And I've just kind of been making my way through the different ones and uh, just felt like a Hefe. And it was just unbelievably good. Uh, and obviously us being a lager house, I have plenty of lagers to drink. So I do like to take the opportunity to drink non-lagers. And one of the ones that I just uh, always find myself grabbing is the uh, Son of Juice from Maplewood. It's just, for me, a great IPA. Maplewood does a really nice job. They're, they're probably still a little bit under the radar from the Chicago scene, but um, I've been up there a couple times and they've always got some really good stuff on draft. And then even the, you know, the stuff that they make a lot uh, higher quantity of that we get down here is always consistent and, and really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and their barrel aged maple syrup is one of the best barrel aged maple syrups I've had. So gotta really? give credit to that. Yeah. I haven't had that. <laughs> it's great in coffee on pancakes and on ice cream. Oh man. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Ryan, you should go. Uh, Ryan, it looks like he's live from the Live Oak Tap House. I love that you brought up some Live Oak Hef, but <laughs> that's his like favorite background is the Live Oak Tap Room. Amazing. <laughs> it's just the I one that's looking at, I haven't been there, so I was looking at it and I'm like, is that the Live Oak logo over there? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went there, uh, uh, I don't know, it was probably October of uh, 2019 so it was before all the COVID stuff started going on and uh was able to take a picture that just seems to work well for a zoom background and kept it and really like it but they, i mean i you know they've got great stuff too live oak Hef is um one of the best you know that, that we've had i'm sure and uh, their pills is is really good and i mean they they yeah, seem yeah. to have a pretty consistent um you know, you guys, you guys have almost a little bit of a parallel model with uh, just having a lot of consistent things on draft and then um, some seasonals and just a few kind of small batch type of stuff, but always good, consistent lagers and kind of keeping that, uh, you know, European influence and, and that style going pretty consistently. 
Yeah, well, that, now that you have that in the background, I guess I feel compelled to share with you guys the, the first people that I'll share this news with. But we actually are collabing on a beer with them. Uh, but because they, uh, they're like really adamant about creating a market for Grozitsky. And Grozitsky, us having a, a, a brewery who has its roots in Poland, we knew that for our first uh, year celebration, we had to have some kind of Polish beer. And there's no more Polish beer than a Grozitsky. So <laughs> they're kind of like the... Uh, the best one that I've I've had, and uh, so I contacted them. We started talking. We worked on some recipes. They're shipping up some malts, same malt that they use for our version, and we're gonna we're gonna release a Grozitsky that we collabed with Live Oak on. That's awesome! Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they they seem to want to be like the Grozitsky ambassadors of. <laughs> Of the United States, I mean, you think of a beer style that, you know, really would probably need a little bit of advertisement, and they are on it. So that's awesome. Uh, we'll we are forward to that. I I always joke about that beer though that we we all have to kind of get ready for our untapped score to just plummet because <laughs> what what the American market isn't necessarily. <laughs> ready for a super low ABV, super high effervescent, bitter, 100% smoked beer. <laughs> I I think we're all ready. Well, you know, I'll 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 kind of like go into that because my beer of the week was Alla Salute from Pipeworks. It's their Italian style pilsner, and I would I pulled it up on Untapped, and it gets a four on Untapped. And I thought for a lager, that was pretty darn good for a lager on Untapped. Uh, but it just hit the spot. You know, it was just super light. Like you said, effervescent, very clean. Um, but I've been continually impressed with the lagers. And now with you know, our availability to get some of these, you know, Chicago beers down here in Peoria through uh, Binnie's has been amazing. So it's been a, a kind of a, a, it's been a, it's been a spoils of lagers down here. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Ryan, you never mentioned yours though. No, I think mine, uh, so we, uh, we were able to get a connection to uh, someone in Treehouse or in, in Boston uh, about uh, two weeks ago. And so he went up to Treehouse and uh, shipped a pretty big size box to me uh, that we split up between the, the group of friends we have down here. But uh, so I had a very hazy by them over the weekend, um, had a couple lagers, didn't drink a lot of beer. Um, and uh, but but that was kind of the, the highlight for sure. And drank it on a clean palate after the kids were napping Saturday afternoon, had a little golf on TV and it was really quite pleasant. And uh, the, the consistency on that one's been really great over the years. And uh, one of my, one of my favorite all time IPAs for sure. So that was a, a fun one to get to try that they don't release very often. So I think I'd have to give them uh, the crown for the week. I was going to mention Tom that uh, have you ever heard of the beer uh, Tyski? I think it's yeah, called it. So I was uh, I was in Poland about a year ago, right before the COVID stuff hit the U.S. and um, did not expect to have a good beer while I was over there. Um, just with you know, we were in a small town um, and uh, staying at a hotel, didn't really have dinner plans to go out much or whatever. And 
but they had this on draft there and it was just fantastic. Uh, terrific lager. I don't remember the exact style that I had. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, I saved the picture of it and I was like, I had a really good beer in Poland, but I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> so Tyski was a good one. It was good to just kind of hear that you had the Polish roots and I had uh, spent a little bit of time over there about a year ago. I wonder if you guys can get it at Benny's down there because they have it at Benny's up here. Oh, I will check. I didn't know that. Yep. All right. It's on my to-do list this week then. <laughs> well, so as we mentioned, you are up in Downers Grove, which um, I have Google mapped it, at least from my place. And it's like two hours, 10 minutes, which is absolutely um, doable, even for a day trip, which is as long as I like, bring someone to drive me. But um, mm-hmm. You're up there in Downers Grove. I think you guys opened up uh, last, what was it, July of 2020? Is that correct? Yes, July 31st, 2020. So tell us a little bit about kind of getting off the floor at a time where I guess would have seemed like a crazy time to open up a, a brewery. Sure. Yeah, we actually, so we signed the lease on our building in September of 2019. And we started uh, construction almost immediately. So we took over this old headquarters for a basement ceiling company that's kind of tucked away in a, uh, an industrial area that's surrounded by all residential area. So we thought it was a perfect spot to be kind of like the walk-up brewery, the neighborhood brewery, uh, but still be within that kind of industrial area so that we could you know, produce beers and distribute beers more easily. So obviously breaking ground in 2019, we thought we'd be open by uh, April, I believe. April 2020 was our target uh, month. And uh, my equipment was supposed to arrive in end of February, uh, I wanna say. So we were gonna shoot for about end of April opening and of course COVID hit Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys remember, but when it first hit, one of the first, at least within the the brewing industry, one of the first kind of rumors that had been spreading about the virus was that it had like a two-week lifespan on stainless steel. Mm -hmm. So everybody was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And of course, my equipment manufacturer, who was up in uh, Milwaukee, fortunately, I wasn't waiting for an imported um, brew house, had to shut down and reassess. Um, So that delayed us, but we we finally got our equipment in April, uh, right around the time we were hoping to open and ended up brewing like as quickly as possible and had our grand opening on July 31st. So they, they held their shipment to make sure that they weren't spreading COVID on that equipment down to the brewery is kind of how that went down. It was more so the concern over their uh, staff, their employees' safety, um, because obviously, you know, they're they're not a huge company, but they had a, a lot of employees that were working with stainless day in day out, and so they needed to make sure that that was safe. So everything slowed down, and it happened to be, I mean, this company has really blown up in the last couple of years. There were a lot of, I kept seeing these brew houses pop up. Uh, left and right after we had ordered our, our equipment. So that's what delayed it. But they got up and running pretty quickly after that. And 
sent a crew down to install it for us. Wow. What's so like, what's your one thing that I've noticed and, you know, Ryan and I've seen like, especially on your website, you know, your family history and the past is really important as to how you are, who you are and where you've been and being a big part of, you know, opening up the brewery. Like how did that all start in terms of, did you always do this? Did you kind of do this? Was this a hobby? Was this, I know you went to, um, uh, they're locally right in Chicago to do some, uh, let me get this right. We, we did write it at the world brewing Academy, world brewing right? Academy. Thank you. Yes. That's Chicago. And, uh, it's a joint program in Chicago and in Munich, Germany. So we, uh, I was living with my younger brother, who's one of my partners, my brothers and my sister were all partners in this, in this venture. So it's a family business. Um, but I was living with my brother at the time. We were super into cooking everything from scratch. Basically, anytime you, uh, we would find like a, a canned product in a recipe that we were trying to mimic, we'd opt for making whatever was that canned product too. So trying to really do everything from scratch. And we were into beer, um, craft beer. So we thought, well, why don't we just make craft beer from scratch? And so we started home brewing in our, our, we lived in a high rise in Chicago on our stovetop. And uh, <laughs> the first beer we tried to brew was like a clone of a spotted cow. Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it wasn't even close to spotted cow. <laughs> <laughs> but but we loved it. Uh, I got bitten by the brewing bug like immediately. And I was brewing, doing all sorts of experiments, like same base recipes and pitching different yeasts. That was the first thing that I wanted to kind of train my palate on is uh, the differences in yeast and, and as much temperature control as I could at the time. Um, and right at that time, too, we started to discover some of our family back in Poland that still lives in Poland. Um, and specifically one of my cousins was really into uh, looking at our family history. He actually came from a family who um, he only recently found out was his adoptive family because he had Jewish roots and he had to, to save in order to survive. They, this like Christian family basically adopted his, uh, his parents and that's how mm -hmm. he's still around. So he was digging all this stuff up and uh, we started to discover more and more about our family's brewing history, which if you think back in the late 19th century, you're producing several hundred thousand hectoliters a year. That's, this is, that's pretty big, mm -hmm. especially since it's like, pre-industrialization of Poland and there wasn't really a huge kind of widespread brewing market it was a lot more localized uh, and and home brewing so it it made sense that we were super struck by the brewing process because uh brewing was in our blood and so I just kept going with it um but I got to a point where I realized I could keep home brewing and probably make some decent beer, but there's no way I can get to the level of expertise that our Goldfinger ancestors were um, at the time. 
So that's when I quit my job and I ended up um, applying and getting in and enrolling into the World Brewing Academy, which is a joint program in Chicago and Munich. So like the first three months in Chicago, it's just all classwork, eight hours a day, five days a week, all science and microbiology, chemistry, pretty much everything you can think of about beer. And then the, the last three months of the program, you can actually practice what you've learned because the uh, school in Munich has a mini brewery. So I spent oh, wow. three months in Munich. Uh, they had two labs, like a micro lab, a chemistry lab, a whole bottling line, um, all this stuff. And uh, then you take this ridiculous final exam and you become a certified <laughs> master brewer. So that's what I, that's how I got into it. And I, I graduated with the, the diploma and realized this is awesome. I have a lot of uh, educational base, but I have like no practical professional mm -hmm. brewing experience. And thankfully at the time, I must've been a decent interviewer. And I also had, was pretty serious about uh, the brewing stuff that Lagunitas hired me as a brewer with zero uh, experience, actual practical experience. Wow. Uh, so that was my first professional the pipelines, That had to be fairly soon after they opened in Chicago, right? That was in 2000 and geez. Yeah, they, they had been around for about a year and a half when okay. I joined. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. So that was awesome. Super cool company and great to work with. But uh, I knew that I wanted to do, I wanted to resurrect our family tradition eventually. And while I could learn a lot from mostly the brewers at Lagunitas, because they're pretty, pretty good about hiring some really good talent there. Um, mm -hmm. But you're brewing on a enormous Jeez. scale. I was going to say, like, you're going from like homebrew status, learning, 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 and then all of a sudden, you're like, driving the the Mack truck, you know, exactly. Like, and, brewing 500 uh, uh, like I brewed more in one shift there than I ended up brewing for an entire year at my <laughs> brew, brewery that I was working at after that, like just unbelievable, like a 250 barrel brew house, like filling 750 barrel, uh, tanks, like every shift kind of thing. It's just insanity, but you don't get a lot of hands-on experience with, you know, recipe development and things on such a large scale. A lot of it is automated. So yeah. you really aren't doing a lot of like physical, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of physical work there, but it's not like what, what we would be doing eventually. So I sought to find a, a job in a smaller place and Hofbrau House in Rosemont was hiring at the time which rest in peace, they're, they're official closed for good. Um, but I was just like, man, this is the closest thing to being back in Germany because I was a total loggerhead even before. And then after leaving Germany, I was just like, I drank the Kool-Aid literally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, Hofbrau house was hiring, but I was a brewer at Lagunitas. They were looking for an assistant brewer. It just wasn't the right move for me, but the, the head brewer there, um, 
who's a veteran in the Chicago brewing industry, used to be the head brewer at Emmett's in Downers Grove, uh, a brew pub. It's a small brew pub chain. There's five, four locations. And they were looking for a head brewer. And uh, he referred me over there and I got a gig just kind of running the show in, in this brew pub, a 15 barrel, two vessel system, everything like super hands-on. It was a system that was already 32 years old. So Wow. Between, between brewing batches, I was trying to figure out how to get things to work again. And it was just totally invaluable experience that, you, that I would have never gotten anywhere else. And that kind of helped catapult me into being able to run our 15 barrel um, three vessel system we have here. Wow, that's um, <laughs> that's well, that's kind of an interesting line, because, yeah, you start off like almost bigger than most people do because everyone kind of like tends to work up yeah that had to be completely different sort of like education on that level and then you kind of step back and you're like okay well i get it but it it's almost like trying to learn it all over again i don't i mean i don't know i'm i'm a home brewer and that's about all i know and that's probably all i'll ever know but you know going from one to another seems like a huge jump yeah it was it was totally different, uh, but I learned a lot from both experiences. And if I have any advice for anybody who's a home brewer and who's aspiring to be a really good brewer uh, and professional in the future, it's like, it's a good balance. Like some people will say, no, just go volunteer at a brewery and others will say, no, read as much as you can. I say it's a balance between the two. You gotta get, you gotta start with a foundation uh, uh, in theory, the education about uh, about brewing and everything like that. But uh, eventually, yeah, you do have to just knock on a brewery door and be like, can I try to fix this shit? And then you let me like watch you brew for a little bit. <laughs> and that's, that's the best, best experience you could ask for. So is Emmett's, um, had you gotten a job at a different place in a different town? Um, would you, would Downers Grove still have been the choice or was it really because you kind of found that location and the spot that you guys are in um, just because you, you, you work nearby? It was, Downers Grove was was top on our list before okay. I started working at Emmett's. In fact, when I got offered the job at Emmett's, I did have a little reservation about joining that team, knowing that like, ultimately if we could in an ideal world we'd open a brewery in the same town um clearly i got over that <laughs> <laughs> but uh the reason being downers grove is because this is where i grew up i i was born in chicago yeah. but i went to elementary middle and high school here my okay. parents still live here my wife and i now live here um it's just it just made sense because it's a it's a kind of quiet, cute little town, but it's not far from Chicago. And I know a lot of people um, in the area. A lot of people my age have come back here because they, they, they love it. So it was always in our plans, but it just so happened that this building popped up like right as I was leaving Emmett's. Yeah, that's really cool how that works out. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm pretty familiar with the area. We've got some family that lives there, which is how I, you know, I heard about Goldfinger and um, 
we were up there in December um, and uh, it was actually very coincidentally the weekend that you guys released the, um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Unhopfen. Uh, oh, yeah. The lab with, uh, with Hop Butcher. And so yeah. um, the, uh, my brother-in-law who's up there, uh, who lives up there uh, about, I don't know, eight minutes away from you guys, um, said, you know, there's a brewery they opened up over the summer. I've been a few times. He's not a huge lager guy. So he was like, I'd love to get your thoughts, but he's a, he's a pretty big beer guy and he's, knows him. Um, he's been on the podcast a few times. We've done some bottle shares and whatnot. And um, he's a huge IPA fan. So he's like, they did a collab with Hot Butcher. We got to try it. Um, so we got there. I want to say you guys open at 11 a.m. or maybe noon. Noon. Whatever the time was, we got there at like 10 after thinking that we could get a four pack and everything. And the, the server said that uh, it was sold out at uh, eight minutes after. And so we just started making jokes. So I texted Evan and our group of friends down here that, that like lagers and whatnot, our, our beer friends, and said we came to a, a brewery that makes mostly lagers and uh, they sold out of their, their release today. And <laughs> so he said, what does the world come to? So, I know. Uh, we got a good laugh out of that. And uh, my brother-in-law and I, we sat outside, we had a couple on draft and they were just terrific. Uh, got some crawlers to go, which was great. And so... Um, We've, uh, I've, I've been up there a couple of times, was able to go indoors um, about a month ago, uh, which was really cool. Um, just the, the cool. Um, is terrific and we had a blast. So um, it Thank was really you. fun just kind of following, you know, knowing that it was a new brewery that had opened and then really kind of introducing it to some of our friends down here. And um, everyone's been a big fan, the original, um, the pills and the Vienna we've shared uh, with a couple guys down here and everyone really likes it. So um yeah, it's, it's cool just kind of that we were able to reach out and connect and um, certainly uh, just through family, we'll be we'll be back there for sure in the near future. That's awesome. That, was, that had to be a fun collab with those guys. And, and it was for a hoppy lager. I mean, that's that's a, it really I, you have to be pretty excited about how that turned out. It was a really, really good beer. Oh, yeah, it was it was an awesome time. Uh, it it worked out perfectly for us because actually one of the owners of um, hot butcher Jeremiah lives a few blocks from here uh, and we had gotten introduced via a friend who owns a restaurant in town um, because they they were friends and they lived basically on the same street and we just hit it off we we thought the same about beer uh, yeah they they're like IPA gods and but they do brew lagers so mm -hmm. that was cool because they were very interested in, in brewing lagers and I know that they wanted to kind of explore that realm a little bit more which was perfect for us because we our goal was always to have a core set of three beers but then leave a few of our taps open for in the future doing more experiments with lagers and trying to educate people that you know just because it has the word lager or it was fermented with lager yeast doesn't necessarily mean it's going to all taste the same that you can have things that you really like about your favorite ales but also couple it with some kind of stereotypical lager uh, flavors and experiences and you might really like it and that was like the perfect opportunity to explore it it was our first collab we ever did and it was actually not our first more hop forward um beer but but 
I thought I knew Hop Forward until I I collabed with Hop Butcher. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is this is what's up. <laughs> uh, but no, it was an awesome time. Those guys are awesome. They're they really just have a, a deep passion and love for brewing beer and learning. Like the coolest thing about our whole experience was the humility that uh, they exude just from the moment they walked in. It wasn't like, because they have every reason to walk in like they're the big badass in town because they are. I mean, their beer sells out all the time, but they came in with open arms and excitement. And I think the beer was a reflection of just us bouncing ideas off of each other and being really into what we were doing. Uh, talk, talk a little bit more about like your portfolio, because you guys really, I would say you have a very small portfolio, but that's sometimes refreshing and nice. And I guess even for a, you know, primarily lager brewery, that's still a pretty big portfolio. But when you think about a lot of places now, it's like, well, got to have this for this folk and this for this guy and this for this. Yeah. And if their significant other is with them and doesn't like hoppy beers, you better have this. And you guys really do kind of focus on, you know, Ryan and I talked about like what, 12 beers that you've made in totality in terms of different styles or kinds. Um, Including today's release, which we need to, to, to touch on at least a little bit, but yeah. Crazy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Obviously, by selecting only lagers, at some point, you're going to be limited by what the varieties that are out there, which there are a lot. Um, but when we, what we sought out to do was simplicity. Um, we didn't want to be a 12 beers on tap kind of place. Uh, not because that's not a great thing, but we felt that, first of all, lager the way we lager it's pretty cheap to make the beer but super expensive to store it because we store it for so long and if we wanted to have 12 beers on tap we'd have to have 24 horizontal tanks uh minimally to do that so we were definitely restricted by the amount of money we could pour into our equipment but i wouldn't say that that's what kind of dictated our limited selection because we knew that we only wanted to have three, possibly four beers that we would offer all year round. And then maybe one, if not two seasonal beers, because to make a good lager, it takes, to make a good beer, it's, it's actually pretty difficult. I mean, to make a drinkable beer, not that hard. To make like an excellent beer over and over again uh, is extremely hard. And when you do it within the lager realm, it becomes even harder um, because a lot of the styles that we brew, we have to make sure that they're, they're basically identical because people are just a lot easier. They identify flaws or differences mm -hmm. in lagers a lot easier than they mm -hmm. would in a you hot can't, You can't beer. hide behind it. Right. Exactly. So we knew that we wanted to try to make the best three beers that we could come up with and make them over and over again. And we thought that if we do that, maybe we won't take over the world of beer, 
which is totally fine by us, but maybe we'll establish a loyal clientele that knows that every time they come back to Goldfinger, the pills that they absolutely adored the last time they had it six months ago is going to taste the exact same, same as, as when they're sitting there for their second time. So that was our goal. Um, with the three styles though, that we picked, Hellas is one of my absolute favorite uh, lagers. I think it's possibly the perfect beer because it, it, it is a, a perfect concert of drinkability and flavor. So it's the kind that you can drink literally like a liter of, although this mm -hmm. is the and have a second one and still want to still want to have it. But it's not boring. I mean, it has it has flavor. So from the beginning, it was a beer we wanted to brew. And my wife and I actually brewed our first pilot batch of it on our small. I have a a uh, one barrel conical. Uh, we brewed a double batch uh, for our wedding, and that's how we debuted that that recipe. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we awesome. At our wedding, and people loved it. So of course we took uh, the reviews with a grain of salt because we were also the married couple. So of course everybody's gonna say it's good. But yeah, it's it's like Godfather. I mean, you're not, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But we did think that we were onto something with that recipe and the fact that it was, while we don't have recipes from our Goldfinger ancestry, it was very believe that that's the type of beer that they were marketing because it was right when uh, lager yeast just spread across Europe. Lager, lager yeast and like pale malts just overtook Europe. People were blown away by it. And, our, our ancestors were involved in, in promoting that in Poland. So we wanted to make sure to brew a beer that was most like what they brewed. Um, and then the pills, I absolutely adore pilsners of really all kinds. But one in particular is German style, Bavarian style pills, which uh, I, I just tried to copy one one of my favorite pills that I had when I was in Germany. And that's what our pills is. It's uh, it's trying to get back to that experience of me taking my first sip. So then I knew that, you know, look, we're a business. We have to have a beer that is going to not be just pale. I'm, here I am trying to convince people lagers are, <laughs> are things beyond just like light colors. So we got to have something different. You're, and, you're doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one thing that kept popping up for me is my love for Vienna. What are you, what are you showing there? Uh, the lighting's horrible, but it's the Vienna. The Vienna, yeah. Vienna here too. Awesome. Between my background and everything else. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Vienna. That's what I got in the glass right now. Um, awesome. Just super drinkable. It's dark in color, but doesn't sit heavy i'm sure you're gonna you know mention on that too and absolutely it's yeah. terrific i had i i had like a couple sleepless nights uh early on when i was planning my brew schedule because i had developed recipes for a dunkel and a vienna and 
I'm more of a dark beer drinker myself. The beer that really got me into trying to, to brew uh, more frequently was the Eugene Porter from Revolution. I absolutely, I, I was just super into dark beers and I loved dark lagers. I loved Dunkels, especially when I was in Germany, but I went to um, Vienna. So I had a friend living there who's working for the parliament when I was in Europe and, and I had a Vienna lager there. And I was just like, I, I like Vienna lager better than I like Dunkel. I love Dunkel, but I just love Vienna. So that's gotta be our malt, more malt forward darker option of the three. So that's how we ended up on, on the Vienna. And the funny thing is we, we have fan clubs of each of the three styles, but the most kind of adamant and somewhat aggressive fans are the Vienna fans. <laughs> like, we ran out of that beer uh, pretty quickly after we opened. Uh, it was the second beer we ran out of. We ran out of our original within like the first month but uh, when we ran out of that, we had people come up to the door and be like, you got the Vienna back? We're like, no, that's like, fine, I'll come back later. And like people <laughs> refused to come until the Vienna was back. Lager snobs. <laughs> Lager snobs, exactly. <laughs> I, we Multiple times we had people like, yeah, my neighbor loves this place, but he hasn't been there in a few weeks because you guys don't have the Vienna. Like, don't worry, it's coming back. <laughs> Well, that you got to know that you're doing something good, though. That if you make it that well and people are liking it that much, that they're almost willing to turn down like the original Pilsner for something. Yeah, you've you've obviously done well in making some fans out of out of your your beers. And to Ryan's point, the funny part is it's lager. Like who who would have thought? Like <laughs> it's hilarious. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan will tell you this too. I mean, our palates now have changed quite a bit more back towards beer flavored beer. And we've probably run through the gamut of, yeah, we love our barrel aged, you know, big heavy stouts. We love our double dry hop, double IPAs, but it's been a bigger push lately because of drinkability and um, I don't know, calories too, but I mean, it's just like, I, I want something that I can have another one of and lagers have just become much more, I don't know, they're, they're more fun to drink. They don't. Yeah. I always kind of say is I think the, the, U, some of the breweries in the U S and, and I think you guys are on the list. I, I just think the lager game in the U S has really gotten stepped up, um, the last couple of years or you know, maybe it was before and I just wasn't introduced to it, but between, um, you know, we've got like Suarez out East and Beerstadt Lager House in Denver and Goldfinger in Chicago. Um, but, but even, wow, you mentioned us and, in that same sentence. And, that, absolutely. Absolutely. Would, absolutely thank would. you so much. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and we, <laughs> like, we, we don't just kiss people's ass on this, on this podcast. <laughs> I, I certainly would, but, but a lot of IPAs um, or, or traditional IPA brewer, breweries are making lager now. And I think they're influenced yeah. by some of the really good lager places in the U S and, and they're doing their job. And I think everyone's just kind of up their game. And, and so it just, like Evan said, it's, it's a fun beer to drink, but 
they're so dang good. You know, the, the traditional average lager, I, I still probably wouldn't be drinking as much of, but we're doing a really good job in this country right now with, with the lagers that are going on and being, being produced. And, and so uh, I just think it's, it's hard to say, you know, you, you don't like a good lager when uh, we've got some really, really good ones accessible all around the country right now. And, and it's just great. It's just totally. to keep the expansiveness of what beer is and, and to be able to say, Hey, a Vienna, a Pilsner is a craft beer is awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we have a big advantage in this country because we can pretty much do whatever the hell we want when it comes to brewing, uh, which means that it really becomes a craft, even with lager centric breweries. Uh, and there are, there are many breweries that people associate with Germany as like the traditional brewery. And yeah, their origins, their roots are uh, centuries ago, but Nowadays, they're not produced. Some of these places aren't producing those beers as traditionally as some places in the U.S. are, and I think we're benefiting from that. Plus, the the freshness factor, of yeah, course. Yeah, I think the freshness is a big thing. Absolutely, it's a big thing, uh, and it's a real thing with all beer. But um, it's with with lager. I think that the market is finally graduating from. Hey, we're an IPA brewery, but we keep getting this this one person come into our brewery and ask for what's the closest thing to a Bud or a Miller. So let's throw them a bone and brew this kind of half-ass Kolsch or this like light cream ale or this like Pilsner or American lager that's just like not that good. It's always like an afterthought. I think the market is coming to a point where they you can't get away with that anymore. Like even the non-lager centric breweries are realizing they're going to have to step up their, their lager game. And I think that's a great thing for, for us consumers. Uh, I'd love to go into any brewery and have a couple like unbelievably dank IPAs and finish it off with an equally as good uh, lager. Well, you, you tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I suspect that one, I mean, it sounds like your experience and your you know, education has always driven you towards loggers, but I bet that in, you know, you, you are now like the hometown hero in a good way, but you've brought like the hometown drinking beer to your hometown, which is like, it's the everyday beer. It's the, you know, aunt and uncle, grandma, grandpa, you just got done with your eight hour shift. And they're coming over, they want to drink a beer, not like <laughs> juicy, flavorful IPAs, which we all love once in a while. But like you get off work, it's the shift workers, it's the people in your community who are like, this is my community brewery. I love the way you put that. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a hero. Definitely not. But <laughs> the, well, the, but... The, the, <laughs> the hometown hero, man. <laughs> hometown hero. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I it doesn't take much to be a hometown hero in Donner's Grove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I love the way that you put that. And one of the coolest things about opening in this area, like I said, we're surrounded by resident, residential neighborhood here, and uh, having really early on these regulars who just walk walk across the street, there'll be times where 
very seldomly, but my wife and I will get a minute to get, get away and we'll come back and the parking lot won't look that busy, but we walk inside and there's not an empty seat. And it's because we have such a close community that half these people, especially if the weather's good, are, are walking over here. There's a train tracks right, right behind us. People are crossing the tracks and we, we have people who come regularly on their set day and it's people who live within a couple blocks of us. So it's awesome to be the, uh, the community uh, brewery, especially in this section that hasn't seen much in the form of retail or, or watering holes. So we're, we're kind of an experiment with the village as, a, as an anchor tenant of this hope, hope to kind of attract more business on the eastern side of Downers Grove that's been pretty neglected for, for decades now. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. Uh, you know, Downers Grove is a little bit more of that suburban, obviously, population and family oriented and things like that. But um, it's nice to see that the town's embraced, you know, a good craft brewery and, and that uh, it's, you know, you guys have a family friendly place to go to. And uh, it's just that's part of the reason why I think you have people walking up and, and things like that is that it's, it's something to do for families and, and other people that are just needing something different to do and things like that. And uh, I think I think that's big for a lot of communities that are a little bit more uh, family oriented right now is to have a good place to have, you know, a drink or a cocktail or, or, or obviously a, a beer brewed in house or something like that that's walkable and things like that. So I think the town of Downers Grove has embraced it really well. And uh, it seems like when we go there, uh, even that downtown strip people are walking from the neighborhoods nearby and things like that and it's just a really lively thriving uh area which is which is great for um, for business i'm sure and i was gonna know i i forgot on my rant earlier but i gotta note uh live oak has got to be on that list and and from out in oregon um for the top loggers in the country i can't forget about them so sure and and, and you know dovetail up in chicago has consistently been you know, one of our other go-tos when it comes to, hey, you go to Benny's here in Peoria, do they have the Hellas? Do they have the Vienna? Mm -hmm. I'm always grabbing a four pack. And when friends or the Kolsch and when friends come over, they're like, hey, can I get a beer? It's like, I got something for you. This is perfect. I love that Kolsch. Bill, <laughs> Bill, yeah. and, Bill and Hagen are <laughs> awesome dudes. They did the same program as me years oh, before cool. me. They let me intern there uh, when I had a break in our program, like super nice guys that are really trying to be true to the tradition. So they're they're doing awesome things in Chicago. No, no doubt about it. I would say obviously Metropolitan has been around for a while and they were they were really kind of the first of this new wave of craft beer to focus on lagers. But I think that it was them and then there was kind of a lull and then there's a lot of like IPA breweries and it was really dovetail that just had the balls to be like, well, every brewery that opens every week now is brewing some IPA. We're not, we're not going to put an IPA on. And, <laughs> and so I have to give them credit, no question about it to, to even have a market of people in Chicago that, when Goldfinger opens up and says they're they're an all lager house, they don't just immediately brush us off. So they're they're really good. And to your point, Ryan, about the uh, 
about Downers Grove. Like I have to give Downers Grove credit too, because they are so the, the residents of Downers Grove and the surrounding area are so small business oriented. I, I obviously haven't lived in uh, a lot of small towns. I've lived in major cities, but I can't imagine that every single town is as adamant and as supportive of small business as Downers Grove is. And especially during this whole COVID thing, like I can't tell you how many different groups popped up on Facebook, like, hey, let's all get together and pool ideas for the next restaurant we're gonna order takeout from so that they don't go under. And like, it was really coordinated, well-coordinated and not, it was genuine. They, they wanted to help people out and we were the beneficiaries of it. People from the get-go were just so empathetic with us because we opened during this pandemic and they were trying to figure out what they could do to support us. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to take any, I don't want to take the credit away from us. Hope we made some product that people were willing to come back for, but I, Downers Grove has been just unbelievable for us. Yeah, you, you can feel it when you're walking around. It's, it is, it's, it's great. Yeah, great, yeah. great vibe. Yeah. yeah, you can tell the people, um, everyone just kind of thrives on that atmosphere. It's really great. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I tell you what, if, if COVID has done, a lot of terrible things. One good thing, I guess, that it can be for like a business like you is if you have a community that's so willing to just travel locally and they, you, let's say you can't go downtown anymore. You don't want to go downtown. Well, thank goodness you have like a great brewery to go to. Thank goodness you probably have like a great sandwich shop or a great, mm -hmm. you know, wine store, uh, a small grocery that's locally owned right there in Downers Grove. And that, sort of has gained a lot of popularity because it's walkable. It's, you know, really, truly accessible. So that can work to your advantage sometimes. Absolutely. Um, well, it's a good time because we would love to sit here and drink lagers and talk all night. But one thing before we wrap up is you got to give us kind of like your ideal four pack, your desert island four pack. It doesn't have to be a particular kind of beer. It could be like a particular style. But if you were stranded and you had to have four beers, what would they be? <laughs> the ideal four pack. It's, I would say the ideal four pack is one that has a second four pack after it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> That's fair. Uh yeah, uh, I've had, this was, ironically, this was the first conversation I had on my, in my first training shift at Lagunitas with this guy, Joe, who uh, trained me in the cellar. We were, we were like a CIP in a tank or something. And uh, we were just kind of standing there. It was a little awkward. We didn't know each other. And he just turns to me and he's like, all right, what's your desert island four pack? Whoa. <laughs> yep. I swear. Awesome. <laughs> I wish I remembered what I said back then, but I was like a, I was still wet behind the ears and I was like, what is he going to like? <laughs> uh, but I've had time to think about that question now. Um, I think I have, of course, need a lager in there. Uh, so actually my, my go-to would be Pacifico, which is the inspiration for the beer we 
uh, tap today. It's our Mexican lager uh, that we just tapped. Speaking of Donors Grove being an awesome community, the other business owners here are awesome. They're really collaborative and uh, the, the owner of this new Mexican restaurant opening this Friday um, in downtown Downers Grove. I've worked with him for a year or so now, just like selling him our beer at his other restaurants. And early on, he's like, you know, I'm opening a Mexican restaurant. And I said, I got to brew you a Mexican lager. This will be the beer that you will serve and people will love. And he's like, love it. So we collabed on a Mexican lager. It's their house lager. Uh, it's called Chela Cheeto, which che Bar Cheeto is the name of the Mexican joint. And Cheeto just meaning like fun or cool. Uh, and Chela is Mexican slang for beer. So just a cool beer. Um, so Pacifico would be number one of the four pack. Um, then I mentioned it before, but Eugene Porter from Revolution to me still reigns supreme. Uh, then um, another one I'd go with is the Schneider Weiss Hopfen uh, Tap 5. The Hopfen Weiss Tap 5. I got hammered off of that beer at my graduation in Utah <laughs> at the Schneider Weiss Brewery. Oh, wow. And uh, it blew my mind. I just, I love that beer. Uh, I love I love vices in general, but the the hoppy one was just like, how do you get this hop character in such a just amazingly drinkable wheat beer? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is a discontinued Lagunitas beer, unfortunately, but Twelfth of Never Ale was just top on my list when I worked there. And I think it was one of the best beers that Lagunitas brewed. What was that exactly? Remind me. It it was the purple. It was the first beer they canned. That do you remember the purple cans? I kind of do. Yeah. Yep. It was the first beer that they actually started canning because Tony McGee was like, "I'm never going to can any of my beers." And then I remember that everybody was like, "Yeah, you are." And then <laughs> this was the first one they canned. It was that, actually why believe... the 12-ounce bottle was their staple and they did not want to yep. get Yep. Yeah, the stubby 12-ounce. Yep. Exactly. I love that beer or that bottle yeah. too. The yeah. Stubby yeah. Sure. Is awesome. In fact, it's the same stubby 12-ounce as Founders. And I can't tell you the number of yeah. times we got the Founders shipment to Lagunitas. <laughs> like the bottles that were intended for Founders got brought off of Lagunitas. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um it was it was super it was uh light in color like really pale uh mosaic and citra combo classic combo but really well done and then there was actually they wouldn't advertise this but they put passion fruit we put i should say passion fruit puree in it so it was just like a passion fruit bomb that was perfectly balanced with like a pretty elevated bitterness and it was a pretty low abv too I, I can't remember exactly what it was but it was the most refreshing beer i had at lagunitas oh, awesome wow. <laughs> that's great <clears throat> that's a heck of a four pack yeah 
And no barrel-aged stouts, Ryan. No. Nope, <laughs> no barrel-aged stouts. I'm glad you haven't asked me for my four-pack lately because it's probably changed in the last <laughs> I need to start thinking about that and, and mention what mine is one of these days. <laughs> we should we should review. We should go back and review. So we should yeah, do. For sure. Can, can you guys – so I used to be into barrel-aged stouts. I wouldn't say I was like really deeply into it, but can you recommend a beer – that I should have that will get me back into it because I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm brewing lagers, but I just, I think I'm a little afraid to, to commit to a bottle of a, a barrel aged beer because I feel like they've just gotten really, really sweet. Uh, so if I'm, I'd love to hear recommendations for stuff that's going to get me back into it because a well done balanced barrel aged stout is beautiful. I, I think you go Death Star, up there and at Revolution, you know it's in your it's going to be probably readily accessible and by golly it comes in a twelve ounce can now so you don't have to pop like a big bottle. That's awesome. Um, I don't I don't I mean like, not hard to find, and it's just I mean they I'm going to tell you they they do better nowadays with their barrel age program than it seems like Goose Island does in terms of Chicago barrel age beers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say um, Revolution, uh, anything barrel-aged by them, they're just killing it. So if you like coffee, you know, Cafe Deeth um, and said Deeth Star, something like that. Uh, and then I think traditional Bourbon County, I think they've been really consistent. If you're just looking for non-adjunct, not super sweet, um, I think that's yeah. one. And then, you know, Prairie does a really nice job with their barrel aids. They're out of uh, Prairie, out of Tulsa. I think Tulsa, Oklahoma, for sure. Yep. Um, and they do a lot of adjunct stuff. Um, but if you can find something that's a little bit, you know, free of adjuncts on the shelf, that they've got a lot of stuff they distribute all over too. And you can find Prairie stuff at Benny's. Um, they definitely, they're, they're uh, definitely doing like a thicker mouth feel and a really nice job with that. Uh, I would nice. say that would probably hit the mark there too. So. Yeah. yeah, you know, you can find a Benny's and, and not have to, you know, chase around town or anything like that. That's super crazy. I think, yeah, Revolution and uh, Revolution and, and Bourbon County uh, from Goose Island, obviously, and, and Prairie are probably off the top of my head. Those are definitely the ones that I would recommend, but I probably it, but they're Thank great. You. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, we really appreciate your time, Tom. Um, that was fun. Um, we, Ryan and I are very much looking forward to coming up there in person and uh, to have you slow pour a pills and then <laughs> we're going to order a lager while we wait for that to pour or a Hellas, a Hellas. Pro tip right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have yeah, you guys right. tried the Maybach yet? This has been super fun. Did you guys no. happen to get Maybach while you were here? I haven't had the Maybach. Um, so I was looking. I've, I've had the Doppelbach, um, the Oktoberfest, the Black Lager. The Black Lager was awesome. I was going to mention, my wife loved it too. She's She was like, I'm not that dark of a beer. And we said, taste it. It's not heavy. It's super flavorful. And my wife and then my sister-in-law, they both just were like, holy cow, yep, we'll have that next. Um, and then the Bohemian Pilsner was terrific too. So 
those are the ones on top of the the, the, the staples that I've had. Um, so you didn't have the Baltic Porter? I didn't get the Baltic Porter, unfortunately. I was really hoping that, that we could try that, but uh, just didn't work out with, with family that's up there and being able to get us a fresh crawler down here. How about the uh, New Zealand lager? No, nope. I think that's, did that sell out really fast? It did, yeah. Okay. It, it, I think it's he so went funny there because a couple of days later or something and it was already sold out. It's so bizarre. So we were talking about Untapped and take uh, take take it or leave it, Untapped reviews. But the fact is like people still use that app a lot. So you yeah. you can't you can't ignore it. Um, but loggers for sure don't get uh, nearly as high of scores typically. But we've been fortunate to get like, I never expected to get the scores that we've been getting on, on Untapped. But New, the New Zealand lager is our lowest rated beer. I think it's like a 3.9 or something like that. And uh, yet it's the most requested beer we get. Really? Hey, when are you bringing that back? When are you going to bring that back? I'm like, you guys didn't seem to like it that much. But we also sold out of it pretty quickly, but yeah. rated it that well. Funny how uh, but nevertheless, we are. I am brewing it. Uh, I'm brewing the Oktoberfest tomorrow, but uh, the next seasonal is going to be that I'm brewing is going to be the uh, New Zealand. So we'll bring that back. Well, we'll, we'll come. In, we'll come up and wait in line for lagers for sure. <laughs> so Oktoberfest brews tomorrow because so that'll condition for five months again, right? For yep, release. Wow, that's unbelievable. That's terrific. Yep. Yeah, we'll we'll be vaccinated and maybe that'll be uh, our excuse to get up there. But I know I'll be up there this summer for sure, if not sooner. And um, but yeah, we should make that an event because everything I read about Oktoberfest, which you guys did uh, for all of it and the tickets and and making sure you got authentic yeah. food and stuff, um, we got to make it happen, especially for a five month condition lager. It's just priority <laughs> beer to get. So oh yeah, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, well, thanks again, Tom. Hey, this was fun, guys. Thanks for letting me yap away about lager. Absolutely. Oh, we're right along there with you. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Thanks.